Praise the Lord. Good evening. Welcome to everyone, man. So glad that all of you have decided to come out and make the study of the Word of God a priority in your life. And uh, praise Jesus for that. Good to see everyone. I am told that we had tacos tonight. Is that right? <laughs> praise the Lord for that. I saw a sign, or a, yeah, not a sign, but a t-shirt last week that I started to order for myself. It said, tacos are my love language. <laughs> that fits me perfect. I love tacos. And uh, Brother Roy and Miss Abby, thank you all so much for your ministry and doing what you do for us on Wednesday evenings with Suffer with the Saints. I know there's a lot of hard work that goes into that, a lot of planning, and uh, it's a blessing to us all. Thank you all for that. Um, I don't know about y'all, but I really can't think of a better way to spend an evening than to eat tacos and talk about Jesus. And y'all have already ate tacos, so let's talk about Jesus. Amen? Amen. Hebrews chapter number 11 is what we're going to look at this evening. We're going to continue our journey down the hall of faith. And I just want to quickly review. We'll be looking in verse number 23 through verse number 29 this evening. That'll be our text. But I just want to quickly review what we found out so far. First of all, we learned about Abel, and we said that Abel represents faith worshiping. If you believe it, say amen. Abel's worship through his sacrifice pointed to Jesus. And we said if we're going to take notes from the life of Abel, and we should, that our worship needs to point to Jesus. You know, while we were sitting uh, or standing back there a moment ago when Brother Scotty was singing those praises unto the Lord, and we joined with him, um, that was directed toward the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why it's so powerful. That's why it's so good. And uh, the Bible says that God inhabits the praise of his people. And we talked about the importance of not only worshiping with our lips, but we must worship with our lives. And our faith should be a worshiping faith. Then we talked about Enoch. And we said that Enoch represents faith walking. The Bible said in Genesis chapter number 5 that Enoch walked with the Lord and it pleased the Lord that Enoch walked with him. And so we ought to strive daily as the people of faith to continually walk with the Lord. And we talked about what that looks like in our life, about how that uh, we are to allow him to lead God and direct us, that he is our Lord and our master. We're doing the kingdom man study with several of our men um, on Sunday evenings. And that's one thing that we learned last week, that Yahweh means Lord and master. The one who is sovereignly in control, and we must uh, trust him to be sovereignly in control. If you believe it, say amen. amen. And so walking with the Lord is allowing him to be Lord and master, allowing him to lead God and direct us and um, walk in surrender to him. And so Enoch represents faith walking. Then we learned about Brother Noah, and I love Brother Noah. I know all of you do too, uh, but Noah represents faith working, and how many of you know that you will never gain faith from good works, but true faith will always be evidenced by good works. Now, don't miss that. That's very important. We all get a hold of that. You cannot gain faith because of good works, but true, true faith will always be evidenced by good works. True faith works. And it works for the honor and the glory of the Lord. 
And so Noah represents faith working. Now, last week, if you remember, we learned of the patriarchs. When I'm talking about the patriarchs, I'm talking about Abraham, whom we call the father of the faith. We're talking about Jacob, his son. Uh, we're talking, or excuse me, Isaac, his son. We're talking about Jacob, and Isaac was, we know, to be the son of promise. And then we learned a, a little bit about Jacob. And, and then Jacob's 12 sons became uh, the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. And then the Bible talked a little bit about Joseph and how that Joseph, uh, by faith, um, trusted in the Lord no matter what he went through. And so the patriarchs represents a waiting faith. They waited for the promise God had made all the way back in the Garden of Eden for a deliverer. And they look forward in faith to Jesus just like we look backwards in faith to Jesus. Faith waits. It waits upon the Lord. And we've talked about this several times throughout this study that it's sometimes the hardest thing for us to do, or at least for me to do, is to wait on God, you know. But it's so important that we do wait on the Lord because we don't want to get ahead of Him. And we don't get, want to get uh, too far behind Him. <laughs> but we must wait on Him to do what He wants. And I think what happens a lot of times, and I've experienced this in my own walk with the Lord, we come up with something we want to do, and then we ask God to bless it. Let me tell you the proper order. You pray and ask God what he would have you do. And when he lets you know what he wants you to do, he will bless it. But we don't need to get ahead, ahead of him. We need to, uh, listen, allow God to lead God and direct us and take the proper, his proper place in our lives as believers. And so the patriarchs represents faith waiting. Tonight, we're going to look at Moses. Moses represents faith warring. How many of you know we are called to have a warring faith? If you believe it, say amen. Now, why do we have a warring faith? Because, folks, the truth is in the world we live in, we're in a battle. And we're in a battle daily. Now, the good news is the victory has already been won in Christ. And regardless of what takes place, we know the victory is sealed. No doubt about that. How many of you know I've read the back of the book and I know who wins? And I know what Jesus has promised, that he's going to build his church and the gates of hell itself shall not prevail against it. And I'm thankful for that because I'm a part of his church, his body, him being the head. And so, even though we do battle daily, we know the victory has been won. But we've got to learn what a warring faith is. What that looks like. Moses represents that because the first time he left um, uh, uh, the, the land of Egypt, uh, how many of you know he left there in a battle? <laughs> After a battle. When he came back to the land of Egypt under the direction of God from the burning bush, he had to battle the most powerful human being in the world at that time, the Pharaoh. When he left e Egypt after God delivered him and the nation of Israel under the blood, <laughs> praise God, how many know they came out of Egypt under the blood of the Lamb? But when he left Egypt under the blood of the Lamb, he had to war all the way through the wilderness. And then when the people of Israel got to the, to the promised land, the Canaan land, and they entered in, they still had to war. They had to fight. 
We live in a world where we battle every day. But brothers and sisters, we must battle by faith. Moses teaches us how to do that. So what I want to do this evening is just read for you verses 23 through verse number 29. I'm going to come back and I'm going to make three quick points to you and I'll be done. Look what it says. Hebrews eleven twenty three. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. <laughs> I love that verse. We'll talk about it in a minute. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. I love that verse. We'll talk about it in a minute. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than the riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Gosh, man, that is, there's, a, there's some power in that right there. By faith he saw he who is invisible. Now we can and should do the same thing by faith. Let's go on. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Verse 29. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned. Let's pray. Father we love you. Again, Lord, thank you for being good. Thank you for the great privilege of standing before an open Bible and giving your truth. But Lord, you and I both know that I can't do this effectively in my power. Holy Spirit, what I need is for you to fill me up and pour me out this evening so that these people might hear your truth and be changed. I pray that none of us leave here the same as when we came here. And Lord, start with me. Change my heart, change my life, and show me and show us what a warring faith looks like. In Christ's name we pray and for your sake. Amen. Now what I want to do is just kind of take this verse by verse and we'll just get as far as we can. But he says, verse 23, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw that he was a proper child. Now, if you remember when Moses was born, then that Moses, um, his parents were being slaves of the Israelites under the command of the Pharaoh in Egypt, they were told that, listen, all of the male babies had to be brought to the authorities, and then those male babies were killed. And we've talked about this several times, and it's so important that we continually see the foreshadowing that's in the Word of God. And really what was happening in the life of Moses was nothing more than a foreshadowing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as Pharaoh tried to kill baby Moses, King Herod tried to kill baby Jesus. Moses in the Old Testament is a picture of Christ in the New Testament. Now, the Bible says, though, that his parents, being people of faith, hid their baby. And they hid their baby not being afraid of the king's commandment. Now, get the picture. Pharaoh, at that time, had the most powerful empire in the world. He was the world leader. 
If there was one man who had control, it was Pharaoh. But the slaves under his control were not afraid of King Pharaoh and did what they knew would please the Lord. They knew that children are a blessing from God and they were going to do everything they could to protect their baby. Now let me say something right there before we go any further. I want you to know that tonight God does not have any grandchildren. Let me say that again. I want you to get that. God does not have any grandchildren. What I'm trying to say to you that no parent can pass down their faith to their children. Can't do it. Let me tell you why I mean why, why I say that. Because God wants an individual relationship with each and every one of us. My children are not Christians. They're not born again into the family of God because I am born again into the family of God. My children are not born again into the family of God because I am their pastor and their father. My children are not born again into the family of God because they got a mama who loves Jesus with all her heart. That is not what God has ever said or not what God has ever wanted. Matter of fact, that's impossible. See, my children have to come to the place where they trust by grace through faith in Jesus as Savior for themselves. Amen? And we, we've all got to realize that. We, we, we all need to know that. I remember years ago, I just went to work with the highway department and I worked with this one man pretty much for the first two, three years we were, to, I went to work, I worked with him pretty much every day on his crew. He was an older gentleman, had been there for years and we got to be really good friends. Now, while we were working together, I grew very fond of him. I mean, I, I thought the world of this guy and like I said, we became really good friends and I, I knew he had never been saved and I started praying for him. And I prayed that God would do the work in his life that only God could do. And I prayed that God the Holy Spirit would convict his heart and bring him to Christ. And then I did something um, that, that, that uh, you know, it absolutely amazed me when I saw the answer. I prayed that God would open a door and give me an opportunity to share my faith with him. Now, brothers and sisters, when you do that, get ready. Because I can promise you this, it is always God's will for us to share the truth of who Jesus is. And when you pray that prayer, God is ready, willing, and able to answer that prayer. See, the prayer that gets answered, the prayer that makes it to heaven, is the prayer that starts in heaven. Now, when we pray the will of God, we pray what God wants from heaven and can make happen here on earth. And I'm telling you, he answers those prayers. And several times, many times, God opened the door in ways that only God could open it for me to share my faith with that man. And I'd be sharing with him about how, what Jesus had done in my life and what Jesus could do in his life and how that we all need a Savior and it's by grace through faith that we are saved. And I can remember him saying it even today. He'd say, you always want to bring the conversation back to Jesus. And I would say, yes! Yes! 
You've got it. We must bring it back to Jesus. It has to be about Jesus. Let me tell you why. Because it's in Jesus we find life. It's in Jesus, listen to me now, we find truth that changes us. It's in Jesus that we are given hope for he is the way to heaven. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life, and nobody comes unto the Father except by Jesus. So brothers and sisters, let me say to you, we must always bring it back to Jesus. Always. In our preaching, in our singing, in our praying, in our programs, in everything that we do, let's make sure we bring it back to Jesus. We're always pointing people to Him. And it was almost like it would make Him mad, you know, that I would start saying how much He needs a Savior just like I once needed a Savior. And when we would get down to where the rubber meets the road, He said this several times. He said, um, well, I'll I'll tell you, preacher, now, My mama was a strong follower of Christ, strong believer. She loved the Lord. And my mama read through the Bible about seven times. And I'd just say, well, hey, man, that's great. You need to read through the Bible. I'm glad you had a mama like that. And and then, you know, later on, the Lord would open a door and we'd get talking about something else and we'd get down to where the room makes the road and he'd say, well, I tell you, preacher, my mama... She was a great woman of God. I mean, she loved the Lord. She, read, she went to church every Sunday, and, and she read her Bible through, I know, seven times. And I said, man, fantastic. I'm glad you got a good mom. He had a good mama. That's awesome. The last time I ever talked to him concerning the gospel message and who Christ is and what Christ had done for me and what Christ could do for him, the last time I ever talked to the man, he brought that same thing up. It got down to where the rubber meets the road. It, it got down to the point of decision. You know what I'm talking about? And I said, brother, let me ask you something. Do you know Jesus? Because Jesus loves you. And I needed a Savior, and you need a Savior. And the same Jesus that has saved me will save you if you'll trust in him. And he said, my mama was a great woman of God. She went to church every Sunday. She read her Bible through, I know, seven times. And I said, listen to me. I'm glad you got a good mama. But you'll never get to heaven on your mama's faith. Listen to me. I'm glad you had a good mama or a good daddy or a good grandma or a good grandpa. But you'll never get to heaven on your mama's faith or your daddy's faith or grandpa's faith or grandpa's faith or your pastor's faith or your Sunday school teacher's faith or your friend's faith. No, no. What about you? God wants an individual relationship with us all. He has no grandchildren. We cannot pass our faith on to our children. But let me tell you what we can do. We can create an environment in our home where our kids learn who Jesus is, see the difference Jesus has made in us, and maybe, just maybe, this is my prayer, they might want the faith Daddy has.
That's what we can do. I told you Sunday a little bit of my testimony, or at least I told the men in our kingdom man class a little bit of my testimony with my father. My, my father, for the first 11, 12 years of my life, was not a Christian. Wanted nothing to do with the things of God. Wanted us and my mama to have nothing to do with the things of God. And I can remember several times throughout my life um, during that time that, that my dad would tell my mom on a Sunday morning, if you leave and go to church and you take them boys with you, I won't be here when you get back. And you know what? We'd come home and he wouldn't be there. And sometimes he wouldn't show up that day or the next day or the next. We didn't know where he was. And when he did come home, it wasn't good when he got there. And then Jesus changed his heart. Radically saved his soul. And let me tell you what happened in my home. Everything changed. He changed. We changed. Everything changed. And I, now I can remember times after my father trusted in Jesus, I would come home and get off the school bus, walk into my father's room, and he would be in there with worship music praying, playing, and he would be worshiping the Lord, and he'd be in his Bible preparing a message, gleaning from the Scripture and allowing God the Holy Spirit to speak to his heart. And everything changed the way I saw my father. And, and, and from when I, when I began seeing what God had done in his life, I wanted the faith he had. I can't go on my daddy's faith. I'll never get to heaven on my daddy's faith. But I'll tell you what I can do. I, I can look at what God's done in my daddy's life and realize if he's done it for him, he can do it for me. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, listen to me, parents. Let's create an environment in our home where we're continually serving Jesus, worshiping Jesus, lifting up Jesus, and maybe, just maybe, our children will want what we've got. And, and that's what I believe Moses, his mom and dad, you know, they, they, they uh, didn't pass their faith to him, but... They, there was an environment there where they served the Lord and were willing to, listen to me now, do what pleased God instead of what pleased Pharaoh. Now let's go on. Verse number 24. By faith, Moses, when he has come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So the first point I really want you to see concerning the life of Moses is Moses' refusal, the refusal of faith. The Bible says he refused to be called the daughter of Pharaoh. You remember the story. Moses and his, his mama put him in an ark of bulrushes, the Bible says, and pushed him off down the, down the Nile River because she could no longer hide him. And, and God, by his mercy and grace and through his providence and, and sovereign will, he brought that ark that had been built uh, by, the, uh, by the mother of Moses right up to the doorstep of the, uh, of the uh, princess of all Egypt the daughter of Pharaoh himself. And, and, and Moses actually grew up as a prince in Pharaoh's house. But the Bible says when it came time for Moses to do what he knew was right, Moses refused to be called Pharaoh's son or Pharaoh's grandson, the, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. But he wanted to do what he knew was right in God's eyes and for the people of God. Now, now I want you to think about this. Listen to me. If, if Moses had stayed in Pharaoh's house, he would have never had another worry throughout his life. 
Never. He would have always had all the money he could spend. He would have had a home in the palace. He would have a place of power and prestige in the community. But Moses chose rather to do and be what God had purposed him to do and be than to live as a prince in a place called Egypt. He refused to go the way of the world because the Bible says in verse Number 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. I, I thought about what does it mean when he's saying the pleasures of sin there? A lot of times when we think about uh, the, the Bible saying the pleasures of sin, we, we think about lust and gross immorality. And, and that's certainly true in a place like Egypt. Egypt was a hotbed for the worship of pagan gods. And, and, and folks, I want to tell you, uh, that it was a place that uh, any carnal desire that Moses had ever wanted to fulfill, he could have fulfilled in Egypt. Not only does he have, uh, is he in the right place, but he's also um, uh, among the right people. He was among the Pharaoh and whatever in the Pharaoh's house, and whatever the Pharaoh and his house wanted, they got. So there was nothing off limits for Moses. He could have lived a life of decadence if he had chose to. But the Bible says he refused the pleasures of sin. But not only is the Bible talking about, listen to me, those gross, um, sinful, lustful immoralities that, 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 that we sometimes think about when it says pleasures of sin. But now listen, it's also the things that sometimes we, in America of course, deem successful. Again, he could have had a life of power and prestige, a life of influence, a life free of trouble. I mean, if you're living in Pharaoh's house, you never have to worry about a meal, your next meal. You never have to worry about a safe place to lay your head down at night. You never have to worry about really anything. You've got the best of everything. But Moses chose to leave that life and live as a slave. Why? Because of faith. Faith refuses the world and chooses God. True faith enables us to make the right decisions and have the right values. Amen? And that's what the Bible is speaking about Moses. Now, I want you to think about something. Moses did not get to enjoy all the things that Egypt had to offer because he chose to leave it. He didn't get to live as a prince in Pharaoh's house. He went from being a prince in the palace to a pauper living with slaves. He had to go through the wilderness where he didn't know where his next drink was going to come from or if he was going to have food to eat. And listen to a bunch of people hating him and grumbling against him all the time. He went from being a part of the most powerful military in the world in Pharaoh's house 
to leading a bunch of ragtag slaves against the Amalekites out in the wilderness. Doing the right thing is not always easy. Matter of fact, very seldom is doing the right thing easy. But it's worth it. Let me tell you why. By faith, Moses refused the pleasures of Egypt and did what God wanted, what God had called him to. Listen to me now. And by doing so, even though he lived as a slave and even though he had all the troubles that he had through the wilderness journey and all that went on with all of that, even though all of that happened to him, let me tell you what else happened. He got to see God do things that only God could do. Moses got to stand on the banks of the Red Sea, stretch forth the staff, and see God stack water up on a heap on both sides. He got to see the nation of Israel walk across on dry land, kicking up dust, on their way to the promised land. He got to see God defeat the armies of Egypt there in that same sea he split. He got to see God cause water to come from a rock. He got to see, listen to me now, God rain down manna or angels food, the Bible says in the book of Psalms, straight down from heaven and provide for every need the people had all the way through their wilderness journey. Now, if Moses had never left Egypt, he would have never got to see God do what only God can do. Was it easy? Not always. Certainly wasn't. But it was worth it. Moses had the opportunity to fellowship with the God of heaven. Do you remember when Moses went into the tent of meeting, into the tabernacle to meet with the Lord? And when he came out, the Bible says that his face was shining like the sun. So much so that he had to, listen to me now, put a veil on his face. To hide the glory of God from the people. Moses was able to know God in a way like few ever have. Because he chose to do not that which was easy, but that which was hard. He chose to do that that, that, that didn't, not that that, that that pleased the flesh, but that that pleased the God of heaven. Was it easy? No. But it was worth it. Can you see me? The refusal of faith. But I also want you to see the reproach of faith. Look at verse 26, the first part of that verse. He says, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than the riches of than the greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. So how many of you know reproach comes to people of faith? It always has. It did for Moses. It did for the Apostle Paul. It did for Peter. 
Jesus said you would suffer reproach from a world that don't understand you. Now let me tell you why the world don't understand the believer. Because you are a twice born people living in a, in a world full of people that are once born. You have been born by the Spirit. Indwelled with the Spirit. Baptized into the body of Christ by the Spirit. You now have a new nature that has given you a new desire. A desire to serve God which the world don't understand. You have now become salt and light. Listen to me. Light exposes the darkness and salt purifies that which is dirty. The world's not going to get it always. And because that is true, you will suffer reproach. People of God always had. Moses did. Jesus did. Paul did. I know that we all want to believe that as long as we have enough faith and just keep looking to the Lord that we're never going to have any problems, but the Bible never promised that. Matter of fact, it says right the opposite. You remember Jesus said in what he said in John 16, 33, in this world you shall have tribulation. Not might, not maybe, not it could happen. In this world you shall have tribulation. But he also says be of good cheer. Why? Because he's overcome the world. The Bible says in Romans 8, 37, that we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. But then it says in the last part of that verse, yet nay in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Reproach comes when we walk in faith, but we have the promise of God that he never leaves nor forsakes us. And how many of you know this reproach only lasts for a little while? Sometimes I think we fall into the trap of the enemy of believing that all there is is what's here and now, what happens today and what happens tomorrow. Folks, listen to me. All of this is temporal. All the good things we enjoy in this life, it's temporal. All the bad things we endure in this life, it's temporal. But I've got great news for you. Because we are people of faith, listen to me now, we do not look to just the temporal, but we always have hope for that which is eternal. What does that mean? I may suffer reproach. You may suffer reproach. Bad things may happen to you as the people of God, but that does not change the fact that I will spend an eternity with God in His kingdom. Amen? Um, Pastor Ken Witten was preaching at a men's conference I was at many years ago, and he said something I've never forgotten. He said, let's just think about the worst thing that could possibly happen to us tonight. And he said, God forbid that any of this would ever happen, and I want to say that too. He said... The worst thing that could happen to me tonight is for someone to walk in that back door, put a gun to my head, and pull the trigger. Now, I've got to agree with him. That'd be pretty bad, wouldn't it? 
But you know what he said? I still win. <laughs> and brothers and sisters, if you are in Christ, you still win. You still win. Why? Because of point number three, the reward of faith. I want you to see the refusal of faith. Moses refused the pleasures of Egypt and trusted in the purpose God had for him. Trusted in the God that was leading him. Trusted in the God that was call, had called him from, from the burning bush. Amen? But now, you also need to see the reproach of faith. Sometimes that happens. But don't miss the reward of faith. Watch what it says. Look down there. Verse 25. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Dr. Warren Wiersbe says something about the reward that is promised to the people of faith. Listen to how he puts it. I don't, I don't know of anybody that's ever put it any better. He said, God always rewards true faith, if not immediately, ultimately. That's good. Dear brother in Christ, <laughs> I, I've told you about many times, Brother Eddie Gunner. He, he just, um, that, that's one of those, those men of God that, you know, you get to be around, get to know that you never forget. And he, he suffered from a long battle with cancer that he lost to finally. And we had prayed for his healing for about, I guess, three or four years. And seen God do some miraculous things. And I believe the Lord added days to the man's life. You know, I believe he answered our prayer in a, in a lot of ways. Because there were times that he was given no hope. And God um, you know, did what only God could do. And, and gave him more time. And, 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 and so I seen God work, but I wanted to see him healed. I want to see him completely whole. I wanted to see God do that. And after he finally passed away with his, from his battle with cancer, after he finally lost it, I was speaking with his wife. And this is one thing that I've come to know as a pastor. A lot of times, man, when people are going through something, it's, it's something that um, you know, has broke their heart and kind of jerked the proverbial rug right off from under their feet and they feel like they've hit flat on their face and you don't know which end is up. And, and, and a lot of times when you go to speak to somebody like that, when you go to minister to people like that, I, I'm always praying, God, give me something that I can say to them that might help them just a little bit. Lord, I don't know what they need. I don't know how to handle this. I don't know what to do, but you do. Would you please give me wisdom to know what to do, when to do it, what to say, and when to say it. And I'd been praying that all the way to see Miss Patsy, which was Eddie's wife. And I walked in, man, and, and when she was there and she started crying and I started crying, Brandy started crying, just broke her heart for what, you know, had happened. And I said, I truly believed God would heal Eddie in the course of our conversation. And I'd been praying all that time that God would give me something to say to her. But what God did was give her something to say to me. And that happened so many times. She looked at me and she said, oh, Brother Israel, he did heal Eddie. She said, today, Eddie is completely whole. And now we'll spend an eternity 
in the presence of Jesus. The reward of faith is not always immediate, but ultimately it will happen. It will happen. Bless my soul. Moses did not receive his reward for the faith that he had in the things of God, in God and in the, in the, in the truth that God had, had spoke to him. He didn't receive it right off. I mean, he had to go all the way through the wilderness. <laughs> but the people finally did enter into the promised land, just like God had promised. Moses chose the imperishable, saw the invisible, and did the impossible. I don't know if any of you ever read Vance Havner, but he's one of my favorite preachers. And he preached in the late 1800s, early 1900s, um, and was a seminary professor for many years. But he said that, and I love it. He said, first of all, let's look at this. Moses chose the imperishable, things that are not temporal but eternal. He didn't choose the temporal things in Egypt, but the eternal things that God had promised. He saw the invisible through faith and did the impossible by leading a nation of slaves out from under the most powerful empire the world knew at the time. All by faith in who God is and what God promised. Amazing. Verse 28, watch this. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. So we see that it was through faith that God brought the people out of Egypt under the blood. Look at verse 29. By faith they passed through the Red Sea to dry land. It was by faith that God brought them out. But it was also by faith that God brought them through. Now listen to me, brothers and sisters. God has brought you out of your old life. God has brought you out of the sin that you were in. God has brought you out to bring you in. But the God who brought you out will also bring you through. And whatever you're going through right now, listen to me. This too shall pass. God does not bring us out to leave us in the wilderness. God brings us out to bring us through the wilderness so that he might bring us in to the promised land. Look at the last part. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians saying to do were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. See, these people who God brought out by faith, these people who God brought through by faith are the people that God brought in by faith. And if he's done it for them, as the people of faith. He can do it for us as the people of faith. If you believe it, say amen. The refusal of faith. The reproach of faith. Oh, but don't miss the reward of faith. Any comments or questions? <laughs>